Well, good morning, friends at First Baptist Church in Elgin. Uh, they have already told me that the children are leaving. I'm going to watch you adults to make sure that, now that you know that Jason's not here, that you all are not running for the exits. I, uh, I told folks earlier I put on the jacket and wore the mic so that uh, I could warn you ahead of time. So if you've not left by now, I'm sorry. Your pastor is a dear friend of mine, and I have been looking forward to being back with you for the longest of times, and so when he said, hey, we're going to be away, we're going to be celebrating my birthday, I said, pick me, pick me, I'd love to, to come and to be a part of it. My name is David Smith, and I serve as the Executive Director of the Austin Baptist Association, of which we are so thankful of your participation. You say, now wait a minute which all of the outlying churches say, like the Dripping Springs and the Bastrops and the Elgin and so on. Why don't you guys change the name? Well, we feel like it, it really typifies who we are, so we hope that the association with Austin, Austin is not a negative thing. Uh, you all are holding down the eastern side of our association. We take in uh, Ridgeway of Page. We take in Bastrop, Smithville. Uh, to the west is Henley and Dripping Springs. Uh, to the south, Butakyle, and to the north, Round Rock. And in that area, about 200 Southern Baptist churches. And uh, we so appreciate your, your pastor, along with everything else that he does, serves on our leadership team and is a tremendous help and a counsel in that. And uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am with you and for you uh, for the new facility. Man, alive. Uh, if I were you all, every time I'd ride by the location, I'd stop, say a little prayer. Thank you, God. Uh, you might even take a lawn chair, sit out there, and go. This is my going to be my seat when I when I when I get out there. But uh, I am so uh, excited for you in all of that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Ephesians. We're going to be looking in the third chapter. But as you're going there, uh, I want to set you up for what we're going to talk about. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was inspired to write this letter to the church in Ephesus. And you have to know that for a church, especially a church that's founded by the Apostle Paul, to receive a letter from him was a huge deal. And in fact, from what we, what we gather, it would have been huge for them to hold on to this letter and periodically open it up and read about it and say, man, man, look, remember what the Apostle Paul thought about us and how awesome we are and, and things like that. And in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 is what many scholars feel like is the first half of these two prayers that the Apostle Paul has prayed for this church. And in this first prayer, in Ephesians chapter 1, he wants them to learn all they have in Christ. He wants them to acknowledge, to realize that, man, this relationship that they have with Christ is amazing. And at chapter 3, his encouragement is that they do what they've learned that they put into play, they put into action, that they put into their lifestyle, all that it means to be a follower of Christ. And so in thinking about coming and sharing with you today, I, I put it in terms of three, prayer, three prayers that I pray for the church at First Baptist in Elgin. And I think I'm on pretty good ground because I think at least you can find these three prayers that the that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church there. So if you have your Bibles by now, uh, open to that, or if you're looking on your phone, Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14, and I'll read through the end of that chapter. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family and in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, 
He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then in verse number 20, I want to to set this part. Someone has said that there is no prayer that has ever been framed that has uttered a bolder request than verse number 20. So he's praying to God on behalf of this church, and he says, now to him who is able, God, you're able, to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Paul was talking to them about this relationship that they had with Christ. And he's, he's encouraging them. He said, folks, man, you got to live this. you got to do this. It's got to be who you are. And then he says in verse number 20, God, do exceedingly abundantly, big beyond anything that they could imagine. In fact, talking to uh, my teenage son at the time, he's now 25, I said, Thompson, what do you think that means, exceedingly abundantly? He goes, mind-blowing, Dad. I go, man, I bet that's exactly what the original Greek meant to say, mind-blowing kinds of stuff. So my three prayers for you, the Apostle Paul's three prayers for the Ephesians. Number one, if you're taking notes, I pray that you would know God. I pray that you would know God. Now you say, wait a minute, we're in church. We already know about God. Aha, knowing about God and knowing God, having a personal relationship with God is a totally different thing. Let me read for you from Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord. I always like that. Thus says the Lord. Let not not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this. Okay, here we go. What does God want us to boast in? That he, you and me, men and women, that we understand and know him. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You want to know what the Lord delights in? When we boast in him. Now he gives us, he gives us some direction. I mean, we could boast in our educational accomplishments. We could boast in our financial situation. We could, we could boast in how good looking we are. I notice none of you nudging your neighbor to have them acknowledge just how incredible you look. We could boast in our athletic ability. No, if we are in Christ, we need to boast in him. So what does it mean to boast in him? Let me see if I can give you a picture. I wish that my wife had been able to join me today. Uh, her name is Julie. And uh, the only problem that you would have in meeting Julie would be you would do like everybody else and ask if I were her dad. Now that my hair has torn, what, turned white, everybody thinks that I'm this ancient, decrepit person. The decrepit part might be there, but the ancient part is not there. But I always like, you know, now that I've gotten over the, the shock of her being my daughter, which she's not... I told people I'm just a really smart old guy marrying a really young and, you know, gorgeous woman. I boast in my wife. 
And most of us in our life, we boast about things that are important to us. We boast about our money, we boast about our house, our accomplishments, these kinds of things. But those of us who know God intimately, we should boast in Him. I, uh, I so appreciate your church's involvement in the Austin Baptist Chapel, which is also known as the Soup Kitchen, which, by the way, to the homeless people is known as Angel House. Isn't that cool? The homeless people say, it's not Austin Baptist Chapel, this is not Soup Kitchen, this is where angels come to feed us. They Literally, that's what they call it. But if you go down there, you're going to find a guy that looks very similar to me. Now, I let everybody know that he's younger than me and that I am now currently about 20 pounds less than he is, but we look pretty similar because it's my brother. But my brother, as Paul could attest, absolutely loves boasting about the Lord. In our family, we all wear an armband that says, God is big enough. And if I would have been thinking this morning, I would have... And Paul's got his on right there. And we hand them out to everybody. It goes back to my father-in-law looking for a way to share his faith, found these armbands, and uh, was handing them out to everybody that, that he could. And even at his passing, we went to Walmart to get some supplies to clean up their house and this kind of thing. And the lady that checked us out, I'm not making this up, had a God is big enough bracelet on her arm. And we said, where did you get that bracelet? And she said, oh, there's this elderly gentleman and his sweet little wife. And I'm sorry, I might cry. I'm going to do good. And uh, she said, he just gave it to me one day and told me that he was praying for me. Who are you and I boasting in? My brother to kind of supplement income drives Uber. So if you ever... If you ever get picked up by my brother, just know he's not playing your favorite radio station. He is, from the moment you get in the car, he's talking to you about Jesus. And he does not care about his rating at all. And so if people rate and said, this guy's a Jesus freak, he's talking to me about Jesus, hey, as long as they let him get pinged, he's getting pinged, he's picking people up. But it's crazy the people that the Lord has put in his car. He had a couple of Muslim imams, which these would be like pastors, for Muslim churches, and they got in his car, and he's talking to them about Jesus, and they're going, nah, we're not really interested. And he goes, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you your opinion. Just sit back. We're going to talk about Jesus. My brother knows the Lord, and he wants to tell people, and my prayer for you and for this church is that you are known as people who share the love of Jesus with people that come into your life. Unfortunately, we feel like evangelism requires that we go from start to finish and that that person at the end of that time makes a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And we love it if that happens. But you know what? Sometimes you can just speak a good word, you know, for the Lord. You can just be a kind faced Prayer number one, that you will know God. But the second prayer is this, that you would experience God's love. That you would experience God's love. Now, when we talk about something that's got, you know, great uh, depth to it, great... Uh, symmetry to it, great uh, angles to it. We talk about three dimensions. Aren't you glad that in this passage of Scripture, God talks about His love in four dimensions? He begins with the breadth of God's love. So if you want to think about the breadth, you can think of the width or the range or the scope or the span of God's love. Who is God's love available to? It's available to everybody. God's love is available to everybody. How wide is his love? Psalm chapter 139, 7 to 10. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold on to me. And as I shared with you earlier, it's wide enough to include everyone. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires that all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. I hope that you have experienced the width of God's love. And when you encounter people, sometimes they'll say, well, you know what, I'm beyond God's love. I've, I've done something beyond that. And you can tell them there is nothing. There is nothing that can keep you from God's love. So beyond the breadth, he talks about the length of God's love. How long does God love us? Well, he loves us before we're born, and he loves us through eternity. Listen to what it says in Psalm chapter 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God knew us and loved us before we were born at the point of conception. And listen to this. He loves us forever and ever. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that, listen to all the qualifiers there, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else created will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God's love is so incredible that the who is everybody. And the length is for forever. But then he goes on to talk about the depth of God's love. And the depth of God's love speaks to his ability to forgive us. It speaks to the character of his love. It speaks to the extent and the intensity of his love. Now think about this. In our life, if we had someone that we were in relationship with, and they repeatedly did certain things, I mean, there'd come a point where you'd wonder, man, do these people really love me? I mean, is this, is this for real? Are they just, you know, they're making this up. But our Heavenly Father, the depth of His love and the depth of His forgiveness is amazing. I don't know if you've ever realized that or not. He says in Psalm 139 again. By the way, Psalm 139, pretty incredible passage of Scripture if you want to read that this afternoon. Psalm 139, 1-6. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. You want to read about somebody in Scripture who really understood God's extraordinary, extravagant love? The psalmist David. Later on in the book of Psalms, he says this. He says, God, before I awoke this morning, your thoughts were turned toward me. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. God's thoughts toward each one of us individually outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. I mean, that's got to be almost to a cellular level. 
God loves us and God cares for us. But then he concludes with the height of God's love. How majestic, how high, how awesome. In fact, I've boiled it down to this word. How big of a cost was involved in God's love for us? It involved the sacrifice of his own son. In fact, I've equated it to the distance from from heaven to earth. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. The breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love. Prayer number two, that you would experience the extravagance of God's love. But before we go to the third prayer, I want to share with you something. I continually run into people, and especially Christians, that have not experienced this extravagant love because they find themselves, in my opinion, focused on their own thoughts rather than what God says. I mean, it's real easy to live our lives by the standards and the thoughts and the measures of the world, and it's a totally different thing to live our life by the thoughts and the measures and the words of God himself. So let me just rattle off a few. You and I say, I'm too tired. God says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. I will give you rest. You and I say it's impossible. God says in Luke 18, 27, all things are possible. We tend to say nobody really loves me. God says I love you, John 3, 16. And oh, by the way, in John 13, 34. You say I can't go on. God says my grace is sufficient, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. You say I'm not able. God says I am able, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. You say, I can't forgive myself. God says, I will forgive you, 1 John 1, 9. You say, I can't manage. God says, Philippians 4, 19, I will supply all of your need. You say, I'm afraid. God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 7. You say, I'm not smart enough. God says, I'll give you wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1, 30. You say, I feel all alone. God says, I will never leave or forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. You say, I can't figure things out. God says, I'll direct your steps, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You say, I'm always worried. God says, cast all your cares on me, 1 Peter 5, 7. Folks, I think a lot of us in our spiritual life, in our spiritual walk, are running through life with our thoughts and not God's thoughts. I think that's why Scripture admonishes us to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. That if we hide God's word in our heart, it's something that we can live with, we can hold on to, and something that really guides and directs our thoughts in our life. So, number one, my prayer is that you would know God. Number two, that you would know the extravagance of his love. But number three, and this goes along with the kingdom thing that Jason's been preaching, which is kingdom, that you will allow God to do great things in your life that you will allow God to do great things in your life. Have you ever thought that God has you in your life, in your situation, 
maybe to reach some people that nobody else is in a position to reach. In 2016, we moved. And we found a house that fit, you know, what we thought our needs were. And in the midst of buying that house, we prayed this prayer. We said, God, we believe that not only have you met our needs by giving us a house that has all the stuff that we think that we want, but God, we believe that we're supposed to be the missionaries to the people on our street. So I went on Google Earth and I printed off our street, CLN Drive, in Pflugerville, Texas. There are 53 houses on our street. It ends in a cul-de-sac. We found a cool app called Pray for Every Home, and you can put in your address, and every day it gives you the name of the people on the tax roll that own that house. And so we can actually pray by name for all of our neighbors. And it's really fun because we have a secret weapon. We have a tiny little dog, weighs about two and a half pounds, really good little Morky. And uh, so we walk with uh, Sophia. And, of course, you know, she's always attracting all of our neighbors, and we're always saying, hey, Joe and Betty, how are you doing? And they go, We've never met you. You know, we don't know what they, what they think. But we are praying for our neighborhood because we believe that God wants to do some great things in our neighborhood. And if we're Christians, we need to boast in him. We need to share him and his love. On one side of us is a couple. They have a son. And again, you can imagine, if you're, if you're nervous about sharing your faith, imagine telling some of your lost friends that you are a minister. You talk about the kiss of death. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. You know, oh, a minister, that's, that's scary. So I'm talking to my neighbor one day, and he asked me what I do. And I was a little bit, I didn't want to lie to him, but I told him, I said, well, I, you know, I work with religious organizations. And he goes, oh, so like what? I mean, he was going to pin me down. I said, well, I'm a pastor. Really? I have never been to church. 38 years old. Wife, kid, little baby, never been to church. Now, let me just ask you this question. Don't answer out loud, because in case you guess wrong. Do you think it would have been helpful for me to say, hey, man, listen, I'm going to church on Sunday. You've got to go to church with me on Sunday morning. I don't think so. This guy has chosen for the span of his life not to go to church, and so he's either chosen because he thinks it's irrelevant or going to church. What he needs is me to develop a relationship with him and become friends with him, and then at some point in time, he's going, you know what? Hey, you guys seem to go to church Can we go to church with you? That kind of thing. And what I want you to do is, I want you to think about this love that you have for God and think about how that you can boast in that. And what I want to ask you to do is, in your neighborhood, are you sharing Christ? In your workplace, are you sharing Christ? In your activities, are we sharing Christ? And when people look at us, are they seeing us boast in everything else but God? Or is God really the lead? See, as I've been talking to your pastor about this move, we're so excited, he and I collectively together. Man, new space, new look, you know, new visibility and all these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, it's not about packing that place out with a bunch of people. It's literally being salt and light and impacting Elgin. This is a good time for an amen if anybody does that out loud. Absolutely. And we are here so that God can do great things for his glory, and ultimately for our good. Now, of the 200 churches that I offer direction to, here's my prayer and my hope for all of them, that each one of those churches are rabid gospel seed-sowing folks. I mean, it's kind of like a virus that we hope to 
to spread, but a good virus. That we want to infect people with the love of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, there are times when you're going to share with people and they're not going to get it, but I'm telling you, my brother will call me up sometime this week and go, hey, I got a good God's big enough kind of story. So he gets in the car, this guy gets in his car, and my brother starts into it and he goes, hey, dude, hold on a minute, I already got one of the bracelets. So my brother's looking at him going, have I given you a ride before? Now check this out. No, but your son has. So of course, my brother, like me, I mean, we're so proud of our kids, and he goes, well, tell me what my son said. I mean, my brother's so slick. So this guy's giving him the gospel back from what my nephew had told him And then my brother asks him this. So now you've had two opportunities to hear about Jesus. What are you going to do about that? I now buy these bands. And by the way, if you all want some, I'll get some. I'll hand some off to Jason. I buy them 10,000 at a time. There's some company in China somewhere that's going, there's crazy man, Dave Smith in Austin, Texas, that's buying these 10,000 at a time. And we're handing them out to everybody. But it might not be an armband for you. It might be baking. It might be just being a friend. It might be, you know, just doing anything helpful to open up the opportunity and the relationship to share Jesus Christ. So you now see why these prayers are so vitally important for me, for all of you. I mean, I don't know. I might not ever get to meet you again, especially all of you in this particular setting. So here's my prayer again that each and every one of you would know God in a very personal way. That you would know the extravagance of his love, and then you'd say, Lord, God, use me to do great things. God, use me to do great, great things for your glory, and ultimately for my good. As I pray, and as I shift gears in our service during that prayer, our ushers will come to receive our offering. But I want to invite you to think about this. I mean, when the offering plate comes by, most of us are going to put something in there. Maybe you give online, so that might not be the best way to say it. But imagine today that you are stepping into the middle of that offering plate. I know it sounds kind of weird. But say, God, I'm just, I'm giving you me. God, I'm available to you to use for your glory. Lord, I thank you this morning for this prayer of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And Father, I thank you for the privilege of piggybacking on this prayer with my dear friends here at First Baptist in Elgin. God, I thank you for their pastor who passionately loves you and shares that week after week. But God, there are people in all of our lives that are not ever going to come into this building. They need the building to come to them. They need Christ to come to them. They need to see Christ in their everyday walk and talk. And God, today as we As we pass this offering plate, God, give us an opportunity to think about what it would be like for us to step in to that plate, to offer you ourself. God, we come every week. We're blessed every week. We're we're just so overwhelmed with the goodness of this fellowship. But God, we've got to share that with others. Lord, I pray that we boast in you. 
So God, as we give our offering and as we reflect on this service, God, may may we know that you desire for us to know you in an extraordinary, amazing way. In your name I pray. Amen.